Hello everyone, my name's Si, I'm the pastor here. It's my joy to speak to you this morning. Can be no doubt, can there, over the last nine months, the world has changed. In the wake of this current pandemic that is far from over, people have lost loved ones, are worried about losing loved ones, people have lost their jobs or worried over their jobs, holidays have been disrupted, the uh, global economy has shrunk in turn, uh, in turn limiting resources for uh, health care. Children and young people's education has been disrupted as, as well. In this country, for the first time in over 800 years, churches have been, church buildings have been closed and some buildings still are closed. Democratic rights have been reduced and democracy seems weak on the world stage. The Western world's guilt and innocent culture based on law and order has is changing rapidly over to an honour-shame culture. And uh, the main driver of this is social media. These are uncertain and changing times, causing people to seek comfort in a variety of ways, some good, some not so good. So I've just asked a few people now to let us know how they find comfort when things are unsettling or when they're worried. When I'm worried or anxious, um, I have to pray. Um, I have to give it to God and spend time with him. And I also find it's really helpful to talk it through with uh, people who are close to me as well. Uh, when I'm feeling worried or anxious and unsettled, um, what I do is I just pray to God, I seek him and ask him to fill me with his spirit um, and just ask for his closeness to help me uh, through that situation. If I'm completely honest, uh, when I'm feeling anxious or not, when I'm feeling like unsettled and worried, I call my grandma because she helps me like focus and see where I need to be. Uh, when I'm unsettled or worried, I often eat um, probably takeaway or McDonald's or something. Um, and pray, but, but often eat. <laughs> so for me, when troubling times come along, um, or if I feel really worried about something, what I tend to do first of all is actually try and fix the problem or figure out how I can solve it in my head, um, which isn't always the best of things to do. But lately I've been really pushing to pray first, and putting God first and praying first is really helpful. And having that conversation with him can bring real peace and real comfort um, into absolutely any situation really. Um, for me, I think I um, try and find m more instant um, comfort from things like my, my phone or from TV, but I find that actually it doesn't bring me complete comfort. Um, I find that I get the most comfort um, when I hear God speaking to me through his word um, or when I spend time listening to him and he, he speaks to me about my situation and it comforts me because it reminds me that he will be with me through those situations. But it's not just uh, events that shape the course of history. In fact, it's often leaders who have a more significant effect on how things are are for many years afterwards. So Putin, Xi Jinping, and uh, Trump's legacy will have long-lasting ramifications. The world today is still affected by leaders uh, and, and key people in history from, uh, from years gone, gone by. And it's not just political leaders like 
uh, Hitler or Churchill, Roosevelt or Stalin, uh, is social reformers as well, like Lord Shaftesbury or William Wilberforce or Elizabeth Fry, affecting the way we view other people's rights. Most people's influence, it's fair to say, will die with the people that know them. A few, their influence may go on for another generation. Fewer still may have a longer lasting influence, um, maybe even several hundred years. However, there is one person who stands above them all as easily the most influential person in history. So much so that history itself is divided into before he was and after he was born. Jesus is the center of history and Jesus is the Lord of history. And today, Jesus Christ is without doubt the most influential person in, in history. Interest in him, rather than declining over time, has actually increased with every passing generations. And in these uncertain times that we find ourselves in now, it's good for us and for us as a church to be looking at the person of Jesus afresh. The one who said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. The one who promised that those who hear his words and put them into practice who will be able to stand firm through the storms of life that come their way. And that, in fact, that when their day comes to die, he will welcome them into eternal dwellings with open arms himself. From anybody else's lips, this would seem madness. This person would seem completely arrogant and insane. Yet Christ's uniqueness and his amazing claims have stood firm for nearly 2,000 years with increasing influence on the world stage. The Baptist pastor James Allen Francis at the beginning of the last century says this about Jesus. He was born in an obscure village, the child of a peasant woman. He grew up in another obscure village where he worked in a carpenter's shop until he was 30 when public opinion turned against him. He never wrote a book, he never held an office, he never went to college, he never visited a big city, he never traveled more than 200 miles from the place where he was born, he did none of the things usually associated with greatness. He had no credentials but himself. He was the only 33. His friends ran away. One of them denied him. He was turned over to his enemies and went through the mockery of a trial. He was nailed to a cross between two thieves. While dying, his executioners gambled for his clothing, the only property he had on earth. When he was dead, he was laid in a borrowed grave through the pity of a friend. Nineteen centuries have come and gone, twenty centuries now, and today Jesus is a central figure of the human race, the leader of mankind's progress. All the armies that have ever marched, all the navies 
that have ever sailed, all the parliaments that have ever sat, and all the kings that have ever reigned put together have not affected the life of mankind on earth as powerfully as that this one solitary life. So whatever you're feeling at the moment, whatever you're going through, whatever challenges or worries that you have, this series on the uniqueness of Christ is for you. We're going to be spending up until Christmas looking at the uniqueness of Jesus, who nearly a third of the world's population today would claim to follow. We're going to be looking at his unique person, what he said, what he did, what he accomplished, what he's doing now, and what he will do when he returns. And my hope is at the end of this series, we as a church will stand more in awe of Jesus. We'll have a deeper love for Jesus. And of course, we'll have a greater knowledge of Jesus as well. In this series, the first book I'm going to recommend that you read alongside the Bible is this book by Oswald Sanders, The Incomparable Christ. You know, it's not just about us acquiring more head knowledge, more academic knowledge about Jesus. It's my prayer that this series takes you on a deeply spiritual journey. In it, Jesus, in the Gospel of John, says this about his words. He says, it's the spirit who gives life. The flesh is of no help at all. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. The Apostle Paul puts it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they wouldn't have crucified the Lord of glory. These things, he goes on to write, uh, these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. And I tell you, as we look into the person of Jesus, we're going to be looking at some of the deep things of God. We need the Spirit's help. Paul goes on to say, Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit that is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. The natural person does not accept the things the, uh, the, the things of the Spirit of God, but we have the mind of Christ. So before I move on to look at Jesus more, I'm just going to start by, by praying because these things are say are spiritually discerned. It's the Spirit who gives us life, and it's Him that's going to enable us to understand it, but not just understand the things we're looking at, but to be transformed by the truth of who Jesus is. So let's, let's pray. Father, thank you that you give us your Holy Spirit when we put our faith in Jesus. And Lord, I just pray that you would fill each person afresh with your Holy Spirit now, Lord God, that as we continue in this series on the uniqueness of Jesus, Lord God, that you would do a deep work in each person's heart, causing us to fall more in love with Jesus, causing us to want to surrender our lives more to Jesus, causing us to want to live for him more and tell people 
about him more. Lord God, I just pray, Holy Spirit, do a deep work in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So that was my first point, if you like, that Jesus is the Lord of history. Moving on, John Stott tells us in his book, The Incomparable Christ, same name as the the other book, but different uh, author, he says that not only is Jesus the center of history, but Jesus is the focus of Scripture, the key to understanding Scripture. Uh, uh, Jesus is the heart of mission within scripture. So when you come to reading scripture, it's a bit like ha- having a, a ball that you you, know, you have to keep your eye on the ball. Your focus has to be on that ball. Otherwise, you're going to drop the ball. And there's lots of other things that uh, come to us in scripture, good things uh, and things that we find interesting that, can, that we can get distracted. But Jesus could say to his followers um, when he rose from the dead, that actually all the things in the law and the prophets pointed forward to him. And actually all the things in the New Testament point back to him as well. So we need to keep focused on Jesus. John Stott in, in this book says about Jesus, he says he's presented as the fulfillment of prophecy in the book of Matthew. He's presented as a suffering servant in the book of Mark. He's presented as a savior of the world in the book of Luke and Acts. He is the word made flesh in the writings of John. In Paul's writings, Christ is presented as a liberator, the coming judge, the savior, the supreme Lord, and the head of the church. In Hebrews, he's shown as our great high priest. In James, he's presented as our moral teacher. In Peter, he's presented as a suffering servant. In Jude, he's the cornerstone of our faith. And in the book of Revelation, he's the overcoming eternal king. You see, the Bible makes it clear that Jesus is the Lord of history. And he is the focus of Scripture. In fact, it says this in Colossians 1. For by Jesus, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions, rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things and in him all things hold together. I mean, in the magnitude of this statement written by the Apostle Paul is breathtaking. Not only was everything made for Jesus and by Jesus, but he holds everything together. He is the author and sustainer of life. He is the creator of everything and he sustains everything, including your life today. And as you reflect upon these these truths presented in scripture, you soon realize that actually Jesus' influence in the world is far too small than it should be compared to the one who, the Bible tells us, fills everything in every way in the book of Ephesians and the one who it's all about. And the reason for this is the problem of sin and the fallen world that we live in. When mankind rebelled, choosing 
to believe the lie of Satan over God's word. They plunged the world into judgment and into chaos under uh, 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 coming under God's wrath. And since then, the whole of the human race from Adam onwards are in this state of rebellion and hostility to God. That's the way we're born. The Bible makes clear. Humanity has continued in this disobedience up until this present time. You see, even those that have been told about Jesus do not automatically pledge their allegiance to him, surrendering their lives to him, but they ignore him as before, still remaining under God's wrath. Yet Jesus, the Son of God, he chose to become flesh. The only one to choose to be born and enter into history. And he went to that cross willingly to take on himself, his perfect self, all the things that, that we have done that are wrong, that offend God, so that we, through putting our faith in him, could not only be forgiven of our sin, but we could be given Jesus' righteousness. You see, Jesus, my final point, is the only saviour of the world. It's one of the reasons he's so unique. He secured for all who believe in him a place in the perfect world to come. And when we put our faith in him, God's spirit then makes his home in you and makes his home in me, transforming us from the inside out so that we can start living for God and we can start understanding the things of God. That's why we need the spirit of God. It's not just an academic exercise. You see, no wonder Christ is the most influential person in history, as history revolves around him. As one person said, history is his story. And it's no small thing for people to ignore him or view him less than is true about him. In fact, the Bible makes it clear that your eternity rests on what you do with the Son of God. It says this in John Three, the most famous passage of scripture. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in Jesus is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And it goes on to say, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. Do you believe in Jesus this morning? Are you captivated by him? Do you stand in awe of him? Have you surrendered your life to him, basing the decisions of your life around him? Like John the Baptist, once you've realized he's the Christ, are you saying, he must increase, it's I who has to decrease? Is the passion of your life to make him known and spread the glory and fame of his name around the world? Are you giving yourself to say, not my will, but yours? be done. 
Lord. For that's what the Spirit of God is wanting to produce in you from the moment you put your faith in him. You see, in these uncertain times, Jesus' claims remain true. They stand firm under the storm, under the pressures of life. He can be trusted, and we as his people should continue to get on with the things that Jesus has called us to do, to make Christ known to all around us, to our friends, our family, our work colleagues, our neighbours, where he's placed us and look to build his church here and also to the ends of the earth. Is your life centred on, focused on Jesus? Because it should be him as your Lord and Saviour. Or have you got distracted by other things that have come your way? You know, Beth Moore, in her daily devotion, says that in a crisis, whatever is first in your heart, it drops out. It's, it's, it's revealed to people. In fact, uh, Dr. Robert Clinton, in his book, says that what we truly are is revealed in a crisis. What's dropping out of your heart at the moment? What's being revealed about you in this current crisis? Are you giving in to fears? Are you giving in to just self-preservation or selfish pursuits? Or is Jesus shining out of you? Is he shining out as the passion, the driving force of your life? It's my prayer that as we go through this series of looking at the uniqueness of Jesus, that he causes all of us to focus our lives afresh on him, the author and perfecter of our faith, and that we give out all to the glory that is due his name. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that you love us, Lord God. Thank you that you sent Jesus to come to die on the cross for us, Lord God. But Father, thank you that you have raised him up to the highest place and given him the name above every name. And Lord, I just pray that you would help us as your people to live for you. Help us to be captivated afresh by the majesty, the beauty, the glory of your Son, Jesus. Help us to surrender our lives afresh to King Jesus. Help us to live our lives to bring you glory. Lord, I pray you would do a deep work in each person, Lord God, listening to this. Lord God, I pray that you would help them, Lord God, to want to live the rest of their lives for you and to serve you with all their energy, Lord God, with all their mind, with all their strength, with all their finances, with everything you've given them, Lord God, that they would want to live to make your name known and to glorify you. In Jesus' name, I pray this. Amen. Amen. And if you've been watching this and you don't know Jesus, can I just encourage you, you need Jesus. And if you want to surrender to him this morning. Can I encourage you just to pray this prayer along with me? Heavenly Father, 
Thank you that you sent Jesus to die on the cross for me. Please forgive me for all the things that I've done that offend you. Please help me to live the rest of my life for you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And for you, if, you're, if you prayed that, we'd love to hear more from you. You can contact the office. The details will be at the end. I'd invite you to come along to the Alpha course starting on the 1st of October as well. It'd be great to, to get to know you more. But thank you, everyone, for listening. God bless you. Have a great week and hopefully see you soon.